Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Holy Spirit, come upon us. Guide our thoughts and our actions, that we may see Jesus with new eyes, and so imitate him more closely. In his name we pray. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Hi again. I'm Deacon David Kiblinger. This week, we wrap up the second part of the spiritual exercises of Ignatius Loyola. To refresh your memory about where we've been, the talk two weeks ago was over Jesus' call to serve the kingdom of God. As we perceived and savored this invitation, we renewed our enthusiasm and generosity in accepting it. Last week, we contemplated the two opposed ways, the way of Jesus and the way of his opponent, Lucifer, or the bearer of light. The bearer of light tries to dupe us with riches, honors, and pride. But Jesus, the true vine, attracts us with the path of poverty, contempt, and humility. Hopefully we grew a little wiser to all the false promises of life around us, while seeing a little more clearly where true life lies. The title of this talk is Loving as Jesus Loved. It comes from verse 12 of the Vine and Branches Discourse. This is my commandment, love one another as I love you. St. Ignatius wants the person doing the exercises to observe very, very closely the way that Jesus acts. The best way to do so is to imagine yourself as a character in the scripture story and take in all that happens. Listen to what Jesus says. See the reactions of the people Jesus touches. Have a first-hand experience of being healed by him. Notice the subtle details of his personality. To fulfill the commandment to love one another as Jesus loves us, we must first perceive and savor the way that Jesus loves. There are so many gospel stories which demonstrate Jesus' love, and each one deserves to be contemplated multiple times. There's just no exhausting all their riches. I, of course, cannot cover all of these in this talk. I simply hope to prime the pump so you can spend time this week on your own contemplation on Jesus' love. Jesus loves the sorrowful. In Luke 7, he is nearing the end of a journey and approaching the city of Nain. There's a large crowd following him, but there also was this other large crowd exiting the city through the city gate. Coming a little closer, he realizes that this is a funeral procession. He hears the wailing of a woman who had lost her only son, just as she had lost her husband years earlier. Jesus is moved with pity. He feels a surge in his gut that he has to do something to console this woman who now was alone and vulnerable. He makes a beeline straight for the coffin and putting out his hands to stop it, he commands the man to rise. Jesus, guiding that man by the arm, leads him back to his mother. He's deeply moved by the sorrowing among us and springs immediately into action. Jesus loves the sick. In Luke 5, a leper boldly approaches Jesus and throws himself at his feet. It's a desperate attempt to change his circumstances. He had been excluded from society with this painful and contagious illness. 
He couldn't even participate in the spiritual practices of his time because he was considered unclean. And so he begs Jesus, you can make me clean. Jesus is not afraid of this man. On the contrary, he reaches out and touches him. It may have been the first time in years this man had felt a human touch. Can you imagine feeling a warm hand on your arm after living alone for so long? I bet all of us have a new appreciation for human contact due to this pandemic that we're living through. Well, the leprosy left this man. Jesus tells him to go see a priest and be integrated back into the community. He can return to his spiritual home. Jesus reaches out in love to those most in need of affection and community. Jesus loves the stranger. In John 4, Jesus is traveling through Samaria, a place which, from the Jewish perspective, is filled with an idolatrous people. They've set up a rival temple to the true temple in Jerusalem and just twisted the right way of worshiping. As the gospel says, the Jews used nothing in common with the Samaritans. Yet here's Jesus asking the woman for a drink of water. As they talk, she catches on more and more to what's going on. Jesus is a prophet. No, more than a prophet, the Messiah, the one who will tell her everything about God. Can we imagine what this would have been like for the woman? Imagine perhaps that her mom had been telling her since she was a little girl that the Messiah would come. Could this be him? Her heart pounding with excitement. How lucky she is. Her mom has to hear this, so she drops everything and runs back home to spread the word. Out of breath, she arrives home. Mom, come see this man that I met. I think he's the Messiah. Jesus lovingly engages the stranger and heals long-standing divisions. Jesus loves the shamed. Zacchaeus, the tax collector, appears in Luke 19. He was a wealthy man, but that wealth was the source of his shame. Although he was a Jew, he cooperated with the Romans who were occupying his land. They demanded high taxes. Zacchaeus made his living taking the hard-earned wealth of his neighbors and handing it over to foreigners. He was scorned for this, a pariah in his own community. The more people shamed him, the more he would take from them. His wealth was his only comfort, but in reality, it didn't fulfill him. What he wanted was love and acceptance. It was too late for that now. He would never be able to shed the label of a tax collector and a traitor. He was curious about this guy, Jesus, that everyone was talking about. Since no one in the crowd would help him, he climbs a tree to at least get a glimpse of Jesus. He's shocked when Jesus looks up directly at him from the ground. He can't believe the next words he hears. Come down from there. I must stay at your house. He shakes his head in disbelief. No one wants to visit me, he thinks. But he looks back at Jesus, who's dead serious. His disbelief turns to overflowing joy. He hadn't had a visitor in such a long time, and it was 
Jesus who wants to come over. Sensing a chance for redemption, Zacchaeus pledges to give away half of what he owns. And Jesus, encouraging him at every step, says just the words he so desperately wanted to hear. Zacchaeus, you are a good Jew, a true son of Abraham. Jesus sees the best in a person. He overlooks the stigma and shame and lovingly builds up another's confidence. Jesus loves the sinner. In Luke 7, there is a woman known publicly as a sinner. When she hears that Jesus was in town eating with a Pharisee who had invited him over for dinner, she knows she just has to go and see him. He was performing great miracles all around the region. But that wasn't what attracted this particular woman. She wasn't suffering from a physical ailment. She was suffering spiritually. Can you place yourself in her shoes? Can you imagine what was going on inside of her? Perhaps she couldn't live with herself anymore. She had become infamous for what she did one particular night. It did major damage to several people in the community. But she thinks, does anyone else realize what it's like to be known only for the worst thing you've ever done? She badly wants to move on, and this Jesus says he can forgive sins. She can make a grand gesture for him. Maybe he'll be moved with compassion and forgive her, too. She takes some lotion to the Pharisee's house and goes straight for Jesus. When she starts to massage his feet, she bursts into tears. All of the regret comes pouring out. She hears the people at the table talking about her like they always do, but she just keeps going. Then, Jesus' voice rings in her ears. Her many sins have been forgiven, so she is showing me so much love. Could that be right? Did he say what I think he said? She raises her head to see Jesus looking directly at her. Yes, your sins are forgiven. You can be at peace. Jesus lifts the burden off the sinner's shoulder. He reconciles and encourages and makes whole again. Jesus loves the settler. The Romans occupied his homeland. There was an air of superiority about them. At times they were harsh and oppressive. Other times they weren't so bad. Still, it was not an ideal situation. They weren't supposed to be in the land promised to Abraham and his descendants. In Luke 7, when a Roman officer approaches Jesus to ask him to heal his servant, Jesus doesn't angrily send him away. He doesn't discount the Roman as a member of an oppressive class. He sees past to the faith the Roman is demonstrating. Jesus gladly heals the servant. More than that, he upholds the officer's faith as an example to all of his Jewish brothers and sisters. Jesus doesn't resent people solely based on where they're from or what position in society they occupy. He first looks with the eyes of love. He has a heart open to anyone who comes to him in faith. Jesus even loves the religious superiors. He's not a religious superior in the traditional sense of the word. He was not a priest in the temple, and he was not in charge of any synagogue. 
If anything, he was at odds with the religious superiors, especially the Pharisees and the Sadducees who looked on him with skepticism. Nevertheless, when the synagogue official Jairus comes up to him, frantically worried about his sick young daughter, Jesus doesn't brush him off. He tries to comfort him. Do not be afraid, Jairus. Believe in me. Your daughter will be okay. Jesus accompanies him to his house. The people knew the girl had already died, so they make fun of Jesus for thinking he can do something about it. Jesus doesn't let them get under his skin. He enters the girl's room and lifts her hand. When the girl comes to, Jesus is still concerned about her. She's probably hungry, so he tells Jairus to get her something to eat. Jesus does not see an adversary in the synagogue official. He sees a father suffering and in need. He goes about loving, even if people are ridiculing him. For your prayer this week, I invite you to take one of these stories and go a little bit deeper into it. Notice even more detail than I did. Feel what the characters feel with more depth than I did. Observe Jesus more closely than I did. Jesus' love is expansive and dynamic. It encompasses all of these people that I mentioned today and more. The sorrowful, the sick, the stranger, the shame, the sinner, the settler, the superior. He knew how to love each one. He wants his disciples to do the same. Actually, more than that, he commands his disciples to do the same. That is our challenge and our task. This is my commandment. Love one another as I love you. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. 